if you are looking for the most imaginative, most decorative, puffed rice Halloween treats. Oh, we may actually could help with that, but. Well, no, we actually we can't. But that, yeah, that isn't this podcast. This is, however, comedy, tragedy, marriage. marriage. Boy, if you could have heard the discussion that occurred before we actually got that one right. Hi, I'm Stan the Movie Man. This is Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, a podcast where an old married <laughs> couple gets together, watches something, taking turns each week, picking it, and then we sit down and talk about it. Hey, Stan. Hey. Hey. Uh, that is Maud. <laughs> I'll get to her in a minute. But I am Stan the Movie Man. Uh, when there are films in theaters and theaters are open, I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com as well as monthly for WIMZ.com. You can follow moi on Twitter at Movie Man Stan. See, I got a little, threw a little French in there. A little bit. And uh, also, you can follow the podcast at CT Marriage. Speaking of the podcast, please uh, give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to whatever, uh, at whatever uh, podcast platform you download it onto. Also, if you'll notice in the uh, notes, uh, the description of this podcast, of this episode, you'll see a link where you can leave us a voice message if you would like to. So if you've got a comment, a question, or whatever, please click the link and leave us a message. I have no idea how it works. Be nice. Be nice. uh, Well, be nice, yes. Uh, So I don't know if there's a way for me to incorporate it in the uh, next episode after somebody sends us one. However, uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, joining me, as always, is my significantly better half, Maud the Magical Broad. Oh my goodness. And because it is October, and as uh, on uh, last week tonight with John Oliver, he did a montage of local uh, news people uh, saying it's it's the spooky season. Spooky season. And since it's that season... Um, I decided we watch something Halloween themed. Now Halloweeny, Halloweenish, weeny, um, Halloweeny, uh, Halloweeny. Um, <laughs> Thank and you. It is, uh, uh, but nothing too scary. After all, the world is plenty scary enough as it is right now. True. So statement. I selected the 1993 Disney film Hocus Pocus. It stars the lovely and talented Bette Midler. Kathy Najimy, Sarah Jessica Parker, also Omri Katz, Thor Birch, Vanessa Shaw, and more. Charlie Rocket. Charlie Rocket is also in there, too, in a small role. Um, It is the story of the Sanderson sisters, uh, three witches, played uh, by our main stars, uh, Midler, Najimy, and Parker. They are... uh, Tried, well, I don't guess they were tried. They were just found conducting witchcraft, and they uh, were hanged. But before they were hanged, they put a curse on the community so that should a certain series of events occur, they would be brought back to life. This was 300 years yes, ago. Yes, it was in 1693. Um, and prior to that, uh, they turned the brother of a young girl that they were using to uh, prolong their lives and uh, maybe make them more beautiful. Uh, they turned her brother into a cat. A cat a, who could not die. A cat who could not die. Um, Meow. Yes. And um, so uh, 300 years pass. It's 1993. Uh, a uh, young kid, um, uh, Max. Yeah. Uh, played by Omri Katz. Uh, is uh, just moved to the community um, of Salem uh, with his parents and his little sister, Danny. Um, And he meets uh, the prettiest girl in school. Uh, Even though he hates the community, he is uh, smitten with this young lady. And uh, on Halloween... They go over to the Sanderson sisters' house, which had been used as a museum, but was closed down because weird things were happening. That specific series of events occurs, uh, and the Sanderson sisters are revived 
and it is their plan to live forever by sucking all the life out of the children of modern Salem. Another glorious morning. Yeah. Makes me sick. <laughs> uh, to say that Bette Midler was chewing the scenery would uh, be an understatement. Well, um, right back at Kathy and Jimmy, I will see you Bette Midler's um, chiclets and raise you um, Kathy and Jimmy's lopsided face. Well, look, um, compared to uh, Bette Midler, Kathy and Jimmy was turning in a very subtle artistic <laughs> performance, as was Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Jessica Parker was a steen, steen sealer, uh, a scene stealer. She is, she is so dumb. <laughs> Like and her name in the movie is Sarah. Yeah, like box of rocks, dumb. <laughs> uh, yeah, she she is. But she's... in a fun, endearing kind of the way. The the two sisters are both comic relief in their own ways. Yeah. Uh, Sarah uh, can't remember anything for five seconds. She has the memory of a goldfish, and um, is childlike and is also. Um, very attracted to boys. Yes. And at, at one point, um, they they discover what what all Hallow's Eve has become. Yes, a frolic. A frolic, and the children run amok and 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 there's lots of there's lots of stomach punching by Bette Midler, uh, her uh, character Winifred, um, of her two sisters, um, but. And it gets a tiny bit tiresome at times. But she, you know, she's the one in charge. She is... She's Mo. Uh, yeah, she is um, the queen witch. For for you younger people, she's Mo as as in the Mo equivalent in the Three Stooges. And the Three Stooges... Google the Three Stooges. Were a comedy trio... <laughs> Uh, back in the 30s and 40s, when um, movies were in black and white, black and white is <laughs> when there wasn't any color in the pictures. You, you can probably figure it out from there. Um, you, but yeah, she she She's is Mo. she is the Mo. The only thing they lacked was some sledgehammers and poking them in the eyes. But other but than they that, have flying household appliances. They do. They do. They're uh, they're they're on. They're out on Halloween, uh, trying to track down the spell book that has been stolen by Max, Danny, and and what's her name? Um, hot girl. Hot girl. Uh, Allison. Uh, and uh, they they park their brooms against a picket fence and go inside the house of the person they think is Satan, who was actually. Uh, director and producer Gary Marshall. <laughs> cameo by Gary Marshall and with Penny. Pen with Penny Marshall playing his wife, which is a little weird. Yeah, well. Anyway, but uh, some trick-or-treaters uh, who are also dressed up as witches steal their brooms, and they wind up finding a, a, a modern broom, a mop, and a Hoover vacuum cleaner. <laughs> it's, uh... That was And, of course, funny. Kathy Najimy... Her her character Mary gets the vacuum cleaner and well of course and you Duh. know the first time you know she they she begins to fly with it and then she like swings it between her legs and you hear her go whoa you know <laughs> um, <laughs> you know for a Disney movie this has some um, very sly sly humor some uh, very undisney like humor. For instance, they make a big deal of the fact that uh, in order to bring the sisters back, this candle uh, made from the, rendered from the fat of a hanged man, yeah. must be lit by a virgin. Yeah. And that gets said, that, that becomes a running joke through the movie. Yeah. And, like a trope. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's odd a bit for a a Disney movie, um, and there's there's some other things that are there's there's a little more language than you might expect. I mean, granted, it's all very mild, a lot of dams and hells and things of that nature, but still, for a Disney movie, it's more than you would expect. I'm sure this was rated PG, 
when it was released. But uh, it's, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a little outside of what we expect from Disney. But still, it was uh, also within the whole Disney trope of, of uh, mostly harmless fun. Uh, of course, they do show a cat get run over by a bus, but because the cat is immortal, um, it he, comes right back to life. He puffs, puffs right, right back up. up. Yeah. Um, and there's a zombie played by Doug Jones, um, who is, if, if he's in any movie, he's going to be buried under 12 pounds of latex and, and prosthetic makeup and, and although, you know what, uh, knowing who he is now from watching him on discovery, mm -hmm. I recognized his face. <laughs> underneath all the putty yeah yeah and uh, the rubber and what all it, it while it, it's certainly a lot of makeup it's it's not to the level of say a uh, um shape of water uh or anything no. from pan's labyrinth that he he did but uh yeah doug jones is in there as a zombie um and he spends most of the film most of his time um, with his mouth stitched shut, um, but it, his performance is pretty much in everything is very physical. Yeah, his his body does the majority of the acting. Although finally, when he does get to speak, it's it's pretty good. It's worthwhile. Yes. Um, now, I thoroughly disliked most of the children in this movie. I know Max is supposed to be the obnoxious older brother who um, thinks the world is out to get him and why did his parents do this to him moving from Los Angeles to Salem um, and you know he he's cynical about Halloween and and uh, he hates hanging out with his little sister um, and, and all of that so you know I just and the two bullies, the two kids in the high school. That, oh, they suck. And, yeah, they suck. And, and um, you know, the Allison is, I don't know. I never, eh, the actress was not terribly good. Uh, <laughs> well, but no, but she, she was the stereotypical hot girl. Well, sort of. But, uh, yeah, she just wasn't a terribly good actress. Um, no. No, no. Yeah. Um, uh, probably better in other stuff, which she's, I mean, she's actually, like, had a career, mm -hmm. so, um, Thora Birch, obviously, has had a career. Yes, uh, Thora played Danny, the little the sister, little sister, um, who in the film is supposed to be eight years old, and she's cute and, you know, gets the job done, yeah. um, but it's... We see glimmers of, of more acting ability in her that gets revealed in later things, yeah. I think. Um, but um, really, the people we're supposed to be paying the most attention to are uh, the witches. Well, duh, yeah. And um, they, you know, especially Bette Midler, she she gets to sing a song, mm -hmm. um, which is actually uh, a spell that she puts on people, on the adults at a uh, a Halloween party. Um, and, uh, you know, she's, she is large and in charge in this movie. Larger than life. Yes. Um, and yeah, scenery chewing big time. Quite a bit. But yeah. it was, that was the job, I think, was how extreme and over the top can you make this, this character? And she's like, here, hold my beer. <laughs> or hold my witch's brew. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker actually sings too. She does the little children serenade. She does sort of a lullaby. While she's, yes. The 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 siren song, like the Pied Piper, mm -hmm. um, summoning all the children. And she's the most childlike of the three witches, um, in, in to my way of thinking. <laughs> childlike in a winsome kind of way. Yeah. Um... You and know, dumb as a sack of hammers. Dumb as a sack of hammers. Um, uh, the film was not terribly well received by critics at its release. Kel surprise. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, it had a 37 on Rotten Tomatoes. Jeez. <laughs> oh, based on 52 <laughs> reviews. Pretty rotten. <laughs> uh, the website's critical consensus reads, Harmlessly hokey, yet never much more than mediocre. Hocus Pocus is a muddled, family-friendly effort that fails to live up to the talents of its impressive cast. Yeah. There's kind of a... I mean, like, we see a lot of faces that we know. Mm-hmm. And we see a lot of people who have acting chops. Mm -hmm. And it's like there's kind of a weird lack of chemistry. It it seemed like it never quite gelled completely. I think also the the only characters that were given any sort of attention and development in the script is the witches, even though they're all one note through the entire movie. They, they have a plan. We get more of their story. A little bit. And um, we they have their plan. They are focused on fulfilling their plan. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much it. Uh, the, the kids are just the impediment to the plan. Um, and their efforts to, to, to try to outwit um, the... Uh, the witches, without using magic, because they can't. Yeah. They aren't trained They're in not it. magic. Um, you know, they have to use some ingenuity um, to hopefully keep them from getting the book and casting the spell and sucking all the life out of the children. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's a really... Very simple, you know, good guy, bad guy, morality tale kind of thing um, that depends a fair amount on special effects mm-hmm. and the makeup of mm-hmm. the of the witches and the cackling and their their being gleefully evil um, without ever, you know, actually hurting anybody. Not that we see. Not that we see. Uh, although, you know, the little girl that we see them entice into their cabin apparently dies, but we don't see her die on From screen. 1693. From 1693. Yes. Um, more reviews. Gene Siskel um, remarked that the film was a dreadful witch's comedy with the only tolerable moment coming when Bette Midler presents a single song. Hmm. And Roger Ebert gave the film one star out of a possible four. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Ouch. Writing that it was a confusing cauldron in which there is a great, there is great activity, but little progress, and a lot of hysterical shrieking. Yeah, shrieking. Yeah, 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 fair amount of shrieking. Shrieking. Uh, <laughs> shrieking, 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 shrieking. Um, the film was not a huge uh, financial success either, at least originally. Uh, it had a budget of $28 million, and it grossed worldwide $42.6. And it is... That uh, is not good. Uh, it is projected that Disney probably lost $16.5 million at the time. However, because of um, the sort of cult status and repeat airings on uh, the Disney Channel and uh, ABC Family, mm-hmm. or it, which is now called Freeform, which they've already showed it, um, it has, you know, it, it gets rented and mm-hmm. DVDs get bought, and uh, it recently returned to theaters because of the. Whole, spooky season. Uh, well, spooky season and the whole thing that shall not be named. Oh. Um, because there aren't any new movies coming out. And it actually, of the re-releases, earned more money than any other re-release that has, uh, that this past weekend. So Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. For, for years, I have been seeing... This time of year, when spooky season begins, I've been seeing things pop up from various people in my socials saying, it's time for our annual tradition of watching Hocus Pocus. Full disclosure, 
I have never seen this film before tonight. And I had never seen it either. So I was always kind of like, huh, what's the big deal? What's all the buzz about? Mm -hmm. What's all the... And I'm convinced now that a lot of it is probably nostalgia about who they went to see the movie with the first time or that or, they saw it when they were children or that they saw it when they were children or that they saw it in a particular venue that's meaningful to them or they ate a particularly good chili dog when they went to see it <laughs> um so yeah i mean it was fun in spots and um it's an experience i'm glad to have had don't need to have it again uh, it, I kind of don't get it. Well, and again, because, you know, we're old. True. Um, I, I think time, it's like rose-colored glasses. It's something you saw as a child has, I think, softer, sweeter, more meaningful memories to you than something you've always heard about since you were a child but haven't seen and then see it as an adult. Interesting theory. Because, you know, if I saw uh, Star Wars, if, if the original Star Wars A New Hope came out now, unchanged from the original, I would say it's too long and they need to work on the special effects. OMG. I know. But I saw that when I was like 15 or 16 years old. Yeah. And going to the movies was extraordinarily rare when I was that age. Yeah, so it was a big deal. It was a big deal. Plus, we had to go to the whole other side of town <gasps> to see no. it. It was a haul. Yeah. There, wa there weren't, um, you know, multiplexes Everywhere. every 20 feet where that each showed 1,700 movies in yeah. them, uh, back then. Uh, and it was actually like... I don't know, three weeks before, uh, three weeks after, three weeks or a month after it had already come out in other parts of the country. Um, before we before, got it before here. Before we got it in our little podunk, Knoxville, Tennessee at the time. Yeah. Um, granted, we're still podunk, but thanks to digital delivery and such, everybody gets the same movie at the same time. Um, so that was a really big deal. Yeah. Um, and even though I can see that movie now and go, well, yeah, there are some terrible effects. You can see flaws in you, it you now. You can see flaws in it. The, it's not the smooth, pretty, um, slick, uh, digitally crafted effects that you, you would see now. It's still, that movie still has a very, very warm place in my heart, as does Superman the movie. Yeah. As does... Uh, Star Trek, the motion picture. Yeah. Um, there are things about Ghostbusters that yeah. make me go, well, you know. But, uh, but you overall, know, you go, Aww. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a snapshot, granted a moving snapshot, of a particular time, not only when the film was made, but when I saw it the first time. Yeah, exactly. So there are, so there's nostalgia and and uh, sweetness and again the rose colored glasses about yeah. it. So I think that's why some people view hocus pocus that way now. Um so that's just my theory on that. Yeah, a bunch of my friends are like starting to post on on their socials that you know it's time for their hocus pocus viewing party. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, Make your popcorn balls, you know, do your, your, do your hot chocolate or treats. your puffed rice treats or, you know, whatever your candy crap of choice is. Yeah. And, you know, watch your movie and, you know, get all inside your feels. Yeah. And, and please, don't worry to not invite us. That's fine. Really? We're, we're not hurt by being forgotten. I can speak a little bit to the nostalgia and rose-colored glasses thing when we come back from the break. Okay, and we will come back from the break, and we will rate Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus. Hocus what? Hostus. Hostus Mostus. Something along that line right after this. Welcome back to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage. We watched Hocus Pocus and... 
Uh, do you want to rate first, or do you want to give us your rose-colored glasses? Oh no, the ratings needs to happen because the the nostalgia comes in the what else did you watch this week? Gotcha. All right. Uh, what do you give Hocus Pocus? I would give it two two Hoover vacuums and a whisk broom. Is that a three otherwise? No, it's two and a half. Two and a half, Because okay. a whisk broom is a, a little thing, see? Uh, okay. Two and a half. All right. Uh, I would give it three and a half. Um, oh, I'm more harsh than you. Yeah. Um, and granted, this is both our first viewings of it. Um, we may have appreciated more if we had been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, we've got that green moonshine in the kitchen. I, I don't know. know. We never open it. I don't Martian know. piss. I don't I, think that that is trademarked. So. Well, uh, well, no, I'm sure it's not. But, you know, anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I'll, and there's some, there were some funny bits. Um, I'm not a huge fan of any of the children in this uh, movie. Meh. And, um, you know... Granted, she's chewing the set, but that was what she was. That's what Bette Midler's Winifred was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. It there's some silliness to it that I think just went a little too far. But uh, overall, it is a uh, perfectly inoffensive, at times funny, um, not half bad special effects. <laughs> Um, it's serviceable. It's a serviceable uh, Halloween movie that, you know, you can show to your 10-year-old and up kids. So, yeah. And, you know, it's got the cat, which, you know. I felt kind of bad for the cat. I, well, I did too, but, um, you know. You know who else I felt bad for? Who? Sean Murray, who plays Thackeray Binks, who is the brother of the 1693 um, Sister girl. Emily, who got killed, and he's cursed to live throughout the rest of eternity as a cat. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is Sean Murray, who plays Proby McGee on NCIS. Mm -hmm. This is his first appearance in a feature film. He's like 17 when this, when this movie is made. Um, his voice is overdubbed through the entire movie, and that's just insulting to me. I don't care if you couldn't do an accent, whatever. That's that's what you do training for. <laughs> and and again, I don't know that that's why he was dubbed in, but he was dubbed in, and yes. that just sucks. The voice, his voice was dubbed in. It, By Jason it, Marsden. It's a, it's a less, um, when he's the goat near the end, it's a, it's a very old movie. I don't know why I'm concerned. It's almost 30 years old. Um, but when... Near the end, when, when we, we see, see him, him as in a human. human form again, um, the overdubbing is particularly noticeable. Just it just as a voice person, it offends me. Well, uh, yeah, he uh, for whatever reason, maybe he couldn't do the mildly British accent uh, to the satisfaction of the producers, and he gets overdubbed, but. You know, whoever, he, whatever. It's just, he got he got paid. That's all that's important. He got paid, and you know he's had a career. And um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's first movie, first, um, it's not dramatic, but it it was the first movie he was in that wasn't a documentary. Uh, Hercules in New York, a fine piece of trash cinema. I was gonna say cinematic crap, but yeah. Yes. He, uh, he, his voice is dubbed through that entire movie. And it's not a particularly good dubbing because he doesn't speak English very well, especially that long ago. Oh, no. And his, just him speaking, it's halting. So yeah. the overdub is also halting. Um, so it's it's just a catastrophe. But his around. accent being so thick, at least, is a plausible explanation for why why another voice would be dubbed in. Yes. However, it wasn't terribly well done. Yeah, but, I mean, you, you know, he's one of the world's biggest movie stars, so it didn't really hurt his career none. No. So. Plus, uh, he had that bod. Well. Which was, you know, kind of his entree into everything else was his bodybuilder muscle-boundness. Yes. So, anyway, whatever. So, yeah, he did fine. Um, all right. Uh, so, yeah, 
We don't love it. I like it a little more than she does. So uh, Hocus Pocus, you can stream it on Disney Plus if you're a subscriber, and you can rent it on the various platforms where you do such things. Have you been watching anything of late? My rose-colored nostalgia glasses have been on. Mm -hmm. um, over the weekend, I had a hankering for more old Food Network co cooking channel stuff, mm -hmm. particularly some episodes of Good Eats that were holiday-themed. Feels all up in my feels. Mm. Um, Alton Brown, hashtag nerd crush. Um, he is just a food geek's delight. And um, I watched episodes, I watched several holiday-themed episodes from last year's Good Eats The Return. Mm -hmm. um, one where he's talking about um, low alcohol by volume holiday cocktails. Mm -hmm. And um, one that talks about various ways you can dispatch and prepare a turkey. Um, that was all fun. Mm -hmm. And I also went back and revisited some episodes from seasons three and four of The Best Thing I Ever Ate, <laughs> which I was actually doing quality control on these shows when we aired them the first time on Cooking Channel. And it's just, um, it's interesting to me to see chefs and real hardcore food critics and real hardcore food people talk about the stuff they like to eat that's mm -hmm. the best thing they ever ate and where they got it and why it was so awesome and they go into these restaurant kitchens and you see little bits and pieces of the preparations of these dishes talk to the people who prepare them created the recipes in a lot of cases it's just a very cool insight into what makes food people tick and the universality of food I mean, you got to eat to live. Um, and some of these episodes are really good insight into the minds of people who live to eat. Just very cool. I'm a dork like that. Well, and the great thing about those episodes uh, of uh, The Best Thing I Ever Ate or Unique Sweets or any of that type of show uh -huh. is they don't stay on one thing for very long. They give you... They show it to you, they give you some quick background on where it's from and how it's made, uh, maybe show the, the presenter eating it mm -hmm. or other people eating it. Money shots. Money shots. And, uh, and then they move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And there's usually some, you know, pithy, um, you know, comedic uh, discussion about how it makes them feel or you know, stuff like that, which sometimes make for great outtakes at the end of the show. Oh my gosh, yes. But, uh, yeah, they don't stick on one thing for too terribly long. And the same thing can be said for, for Good Eats. Uh, Alton is not on the one thing um, uh, f for many episodes. Sometimes, I think, when he was showing you how to season your iron skillet, that was practically the whole show. Uh, or how to cook the perfect steak. That I think was mostly that could have been the same show because he was cooking his iron his steaks and iron skillets. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, for example, the turkey episode that I watched. Mm -hmm. um, yes, it was all about turkey, but it wasn't just about you throw your turkey in the oven and roast it for Thanksgiving. It was no. It was like what to do with the breasts when you take them off the bird, and what to do with the legs, and what to do with the thighs, and so you. You have the whole overarching turkey theme, mm -hmm. but you have several distinct um, preparations and occasions to consume those preparations. He did an episode of Mythbusters where they cooked an entire uh, Thanksgiving meal. On an exhaust manifold? On various parts of the car. Yeah. And they selected what went on there based on whether it needed high heat or... Mm -hmm lesser heat and they did everything from uh the the bird to uh the dessert and everything according to them came out pretty well well duh okay it's alton brown plus through that whole mythbusters collaboration he and adam savage have become big buds now um you know 
nerds nerds in arms. Yeah. Um, nerds of a feather. Nerds of a feather. <laughs> Thank you. Thank oh, that's awesome. Thought Did that you up just right off the top of my head? You are so smart. Yeah. I stand you stand. Oh, you you I'm I'm mod you mod. All right. Um, what have you been watching? Because you're way more interesting than I am. Uh, not hardly. Um, I did, however, watch a documentary on Netflix called Human Nature. It is about the development and possible uses of the CRISPR technology for modifying DNA. CRISPR technology? CRISPR. Now, CRISPR is an anacronym... Um, and I know I won't be able to find it, but anyway, um, it what it what CRISPR does is it looks for um, it is sends out a protein that is like a pair of shears, a pair of scissors, and it cuts a DNA mo molecule at the place where there is a defective gene. Ooh. And it then replaces the defective gene with a corrected gene. It can also be used to modify genes that aren't necessarily defective. But if you are looking to, say, raise a crop that is resistant to a particular kind of fungus or... Mildew, uh, blight, pests. A pest or, or whatever... Uh, you can go in and put in the attributes of some other plant that is resistant to that particular thing you're trying to fight okay. and insert it into your uh, new crop that you're trying to grow. Now, of course, there's a downside to all of this um, that is always brought up in um, movies like Gattaca or, um, you know, Br uh, Brave New World. Monkeying with gene pools is going to screw everything all up. Designer babies. Um, this is a technology that only the rich will be able to afford. afford. And there's the whole fear that um, like um, high-tech eugenics will mm. be uh, something that gets brought up in the future. Playing God. <clears throat> yes. Now there's... There are those who argue both sides of, of that possibility. Um, the one to me that made the most sense was um, an ethicist who said man has always been able to find ways to express its cruelty long before um, CRISPR came around. Mm. And um, even should CRISPR technology develop to that point, um, people will still be awful to each other in good old-fashioned low-tech ways. So the probability of that even being something that can be done in the future seems relatively low. Yeah. Um, and of course, there, what the hope is, is that CRISPR can be used to... Um, treat and possibly cure genetic diseases like sickle cell anemia um, or the possibility of developing certain cancers later in life. If you have this particular kind of gene, you may develop breast cancer yeah. or leukemia or uh, whatever uh, or Alzheimer's disease treatment. Anything try to, that can be traced to a genetic link. Something, yes, if it, if you have, if there is something about your genetics that leads to a greater likelihood you will develop something, it can be uh, just cut out of your genes or cut out of your DNA to try to hopefully put that off, to, to keep that from happening. Um, my dad had Alzheimer's disease. Um, so if it turns out that I have a genetic propensity for developing Alzheimer's disease, I would like that to be cut out. And so that even if there's a 75% chance I won't develop it, I would like to take that 25% risk And get out. rid of it, yeah. Yes. Well, and both your parents had cancer. Of various types, yes. yes. So 
you know, that's we are between the two of us. It's we, a wonder we're still alive. We actually. are riddled with um, family history of various and sundry diseases. Yes, diabetes, heart disease, lung disease, stroke, cancer, um, dementia, Alzheimer's. Um, you name it, somebody in our pretty immediate family has had some of it. Yeah. So, and there is a chance that with more research, uh, they'll be able to uh, at least reduce the chance that these things will attack people. people. Also, um, children born with genetic malformations uh, like the sickle cell, which is a one little protein is out of place in the mm-hmm. DNA, and it makes people's lives a living hell. Tay-Sachs syndrome, I think, is another another one, um, and just any number of genetic diseases could be treated with CRISPR. So it looked at um, the history of it, where it is right now, where it might be in the future, and you know the uh, ramifications of it. You know being something that the only only the wealthy can afford to use mm-hmm. or to uh, you know try to weed out certain traits in in people that some see as a problem but others yeah, like don't I, I really want a blonde blue-eyed baby can can i order up that exactly yeah um oddly enough uh the latest episode of cosmos was about um the early days of studying the genetics of plants in an effort to prevent famine and hunger. Mm -hmm. Um, And they used specifically um, a Russian scientist who got on the wrong side of Stalin um, and wound up in a gulag and Mm. things didn't end well for him. But because he was unwilling to uh, deny the science that he knew was real and a uh, rival of his was telling uh, Stalin that, you know, you can't see it so it isn't real. Yeah. Um, and he, he wound up uh, being sentenced to death, but he wound up dying in a prison. So, of, oddly enough, hunger. Uh, of course, they starved him to death intentionally, but the whole country was going through uh, yeah, a, famine a famine at the time. So. Uh, but yeah, it's it's weird that those two. I watched those two things this week. But yeah, um, you can see Human Nature on Netflix, and you can uh, catch up on episodes of Cosmos, uh, the new season, uh, Possible Worlds is what it's called, mm. and that is on um, Hulu. Uh, it's it airs originally on Fox. So it's Fox on Hulu. Fox on Hulu. Um, and you can see those the next day. You can also watch episodes of Fargo, uh, which I'm watching right now. And um, it's, it's this is kind of a slow burn season of Fargo. A few things happen, but it's all setting up what I'm sure will be some extraordinarily violent episodes later on. Explosive. Yes. Yes. Been enjoying that, though. And, you know, sometimes you just want comfort food in the way of TV, like you with your Good Eats and, and Best Thing, uh, best I, thing ever I Ever ate and all that stuff. Well, I enjoy uh, the low-key murder mystery. Yeah. And there's very little more low-key than Agatha Christie's Marble, which I'm also watching on Hulu. Um, it is a British... TV series made by ITV, loosely based on the books and short stories of Agatha Christie, uh, of the uh, aged sleuth Ms. Marple, Jane Marple. Um, it's um, each one's ninety minutes long. Okay. Sometimes the murder happens early on in the episode. Sometimes it's a little later on in the episode. Um, but. And there, it's a fairly recent series. It uh, aired from 88, I'm sorry, it aired from 2004 to 2013. Okay. Um, and, there, and there are two Marples, Mrs. Marples, um, 
Geraldine McEwen was in the first five series, and then Julia McKenzie did the last four. Um, I don't know why. I was going to say, what's the? Is there an explanation for this? But um, I could dig into it a little bit, but I really don't care all that much, um, because they're really good, and there are some very famous people that you will see scattered around in guest spots, and maybe they aren't that famous, but you'll know their faces. Yeah. Um, well, you were watching one last night that um, Herbert Lom came up in the credits. I'm like, I recognize that name. Herbert Lom was um, in there um, along with... I can't remember. Um, but other people you recognize, but other, either by name or, or by face, or by face, um, and it's it's like it's like that most it, it's like chicken soup. It's yeah. warm and good and and comforting, and uh, there's not a huge amount of action. You you rarely, if ever, have to worry about Ms. Marple getting you know, in any danger or in any trouble or somebody planning on killing her. Um, there is a literary term for this that I became acquainted with when I was temping at the library. Mm -hmm. There's a whole genre called the cozy mystery. <laughs> that sounds like what this is. Yeah. Um, I think that Murder, She Wrote would have fallen into the category of the cozy mystery because you don't, there's not a whole lot of violence that you see. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, homey people in, you know, comfortable settings and cozy. Like, you know, like you said, chicken soup for your mystery soul. <laughs> um, but, for instance, um, in the first episode I saw, Joanna Lumley plays um, a character who's a friend of Ms. Marple's. Uh, Joanna Lumley was in Absolutely Fabulous, mm -hmm. um, the drunker of the two, the, <laughs> the one who had had more plastic surgery and always appeared to have a bottle of champagne handly, uh, handy. Uh, Herbert Lom, as, as you mentioned, um, um, you know, there's, and again, you may not know their names but you'll know their faces yeah because so, they've been in tons of stuff yeah and it's a uh, it's a uh, it's just comforting and i'm going to uh, apparently on youtube they have every episode of columbo from the sunday night mystery movie oh! so i think i'm gonna start doing that sometimes too if i can't think of anything else to watch may join you oh they i loved colombo i loved mcmillan and wife oh my gosh i was not a huge fan of mcleod i loved his opening theme though with the whistle i'll take your word for it anyway uh but yeah i i loved the colombo series if i just pinged the meters <laughs> uh and um yeah, he was, I just, again, it's like, it, it's like it takes dramatic, you back. It's semi dramatic chicken soup. It takes you back to your childhood. Yes. I, know, I know exactly what you mean. And there are a ton of very famous people in there. And Steven Spielberg directed the first one. The first Columbo? Mm -hmm. No way. And they were all 90 minutes long. Um, well, yeah, it was a mystery movie. movie. Yeah. So, but yeah, there's, there's a ton of guest stars um in in that that um it's like love boat but with murder <laughs> kind of yeah or fantasy island but with murder yeah it's uh it, it's a uh, it's a sweet nostalgic kind of thing and th even though marple is um more current at least as far as um when they were made yeah they're all set just after the end of World War II, they're they're still rationing, yeah. Um, and uh, um, and and we see, and I'm pretty sure this is an invention for the show. But there's this photograph of this uh, military man on Marple's nightstand, and um, I've only seen two episodes so far. But um, she is she hugs this 
um, picture. Oh, it was her soldier gone to war. And, oh, well, in the second episode, we find out more about her soldier gone to war. It wasn't her soldier. Oh, she was the other woman. She was the other woman. <gasps> Scandalous. Yes. But you, you, we got some more, uh, a little backstory on her and this photograph. And again, I'm sure that is a creation just for this TV show. Well, yeah. Because like, they also adapted stories that weren't Miss Marple stories that for this show. Well, and that's a device that I'm seeing more and more. We we get very twisty backstory in the rebooted Perry Mason that was on HBO earlier this year. Um, Stories that they created for these characters that were not in the original Perry Mason from the 50s and 60s. Um, and probably, and definitely weren't in the books. Yeah. Well, I haven't, not having read the books, I don't know, but I would be willing to bet that that's the case. Same thing with Ratchet. We, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so. There's a, there's a lot of strangeness in Ratchet, that's for sure. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I, I really have enjoyed the first two I've watched, and granted, they are like 90 minutes long, um, but I will be watching more of uh, Agatha Christie's Marple on Hulu, um, and you can find uh, all of the Columbo episodes on YouTube, uh, and Yay! also IMDB's TV streaming channel. I think is what it's called. IMDb TV, MOUSE, OMG, WTF, all the things. Yes. Uh, er, <laughs> Alphabet all, soup. All, all of that. Um, so. <laughs> Sorry. So it's it's sort of a sort of a nostalgia themed aside from the science part. Sort of a nostalgia themed episode tonight a between bit. your stuff and Hocus Pocus and my stuff and other than uh, human nature. Uh, it was it's all sort of taking a look back bit yeah interesting didn't plan it that way it's just the way it is serendipity yes well thank you very much for listening we appreciate it um we'll uh, of course be back next week it'll be mod's turn to select mm -hmm. what to watch any idea mm -mm. Mm -mm. okay uh so uh if you would please go to apple podcasts and give us a five star rating and a review um, if you would please also subscribe on whatever podcast app you use. That way you'll, the episodes will automatically download, should this be the first one you've heard. Uh, also, uh, if you have a suggestion for something for us to watch, you can send that to us. Uh, send us the name of what it is, why we should watch it, and where it is. That would prove helpful. You can send that to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. You can also send us any questions or comments you have about the podcast. You can also click on the link in the description of this episode and leave us a voice message. And uh, I'm not sure if we'll be able to incorporate those in future episodes, but if you want to leave us a voice message and it's nice, remember your manners. Be polite. Exactly. Uh, even if it's um, a complaint. Uh, it's constructive criticism then uh, you can uh, leave that as well. But uh, be nice, because don't say anything you wouldn't want your mother to hear, unless your mother was white trash. And then Mama, means, Jesus, or the preacher. That's okay. Uh, uh, any of those three. If any of those three will be uh, offended by what you say, then just don't say it. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. We will uh, check in with you next week. Love you. Love you too. And until next time, later. later. Yay!